welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 168. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons. And as always, I'm joined by the big hitting, the powerful man himself, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Hey. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mike. Or should I say Mike He-Man Parsons? That's right. We are going into a pretty powerful episode today, aren't we? We are feeling the full-fledged 48 parts of power, aren't we, Mark? Oh my goodness, you're totally right. We are in the second episode, listeners, in our Mindset series. And today, with episode 168, we are digging into Robert Greene's The 48 Laws of Power. And I think, Mike, it's fair to say as we kick ourselves off and start thinking about today's show and today's topic, it, this is this was a pretty classic book that's out there. It's quite synonymous. It's quite well known. And there's connections with um, the American uh, federal prisons. I think 50 Cent, a rapper, he's got a tattoo of some of the laws. It's it's quite a, a big book that's out there. But at the same time, it felt a little bit um, unusual for me as we were digging into some of the laws. How mm. um, maybe derisive, I guess some of them could be. Yeah, I mean, this truly is a controversial book. This is perhaps one of the most controversial books that we've covered on the show. And it really, it dances on a fine line between good and bad, uh, dark and light. I mean, really, this is a book where when you when you look at some of the commentary around it, and I'm just going to share with you just a couple of the Amazon book review titles. Here's one, Danger read at your own risk. Um, Here's another one. These rules of power that will get you alone broke and turn you into a loser want to be abuser. I mean, and here's the big one. Here's the big one. Before we actually, before we do the big one, here's another very positive one. Great for dealing with the real world. But the one that I think is the big question that we need to tackle on the show today was in December 21, 2019, uh, a reviewer says the reviewer's name, uh, username is Ludovician on Amazon.com. Says that this is a book of evil. Mark, this is <laughs> going to be one tricky one to break down. There's a lot inside of it. I think what we want to do here is invite our listeners to join us on what is considered by some one of the greatest business books of all time. And obviously by some, a book of darkness. This seems like it would be a favorite for for Darth Vader on his bookshelf. How are we going to do this, Mark? What what do you think? Well, I, I think it certainly sounds as though it's going to be an entertaining book for us to dig into. And the laws, whether we find, we're not going to have time to maybe cover all 48, of course, Mike. Otherwise, maybe we'd need a a six or seven hour show. But I think today our task is really to take a look at some of the key uh, rules, the key laws that stand out to you and I, and that we think that might apply to our listeners and really give it the lens of moonshots. Is this a book that fits into our library of moonshot thinking? That's totally right. And let's not forget, this is rated 4.7 out of 5, 36,686 global ratings. This puts it right up there with some of the most timeless classics, Uh, Napoleon Hill, Stephen Covey, um, you name it, some of our big ones, Good to Great. Um, 
So this is massively popular and we're going to break it down and find out, is there something good in the 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene? Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland, where shall we begin? Well, I think it's only fair that we begin by hearing from the author himself, Robert Greene. And we've got some great clips today from an interview that Robert Greene did with Barry Kibrick from Between the Lines. And I think, Mike, obviously it's a fairly, as we discussed, controversial, maybe derisive title, The 48 Laws of Power, because we might all have a different point of view about what power means to us. So let's give the author, Robert Greene, the opportunity and chance to introduce to us and our listeners the focus of his book and how everyone wants power. Basically, I think that, uh, you know, there are many ways to explain what makes a human being a human being. It's the, that we're rational creatures, that we have an opposable thumb, etc. And I thought that there was something a little more elemental, that there's something in our animal nature that isn't quite gotten at in a lot of these books that are written about power and who we are. And just in my own personal experience and in my wide-ranging reading of history, I've just noticed this trend that everybody wants power. And power isn't, it's generally seen in the sort of ugly light of you want power, you want to you know, become president, you want to uh, become, take over other countries, but it's not that. I know it's very funny you should say that. That was my son's first concern. He says, Dad, this seems like an awfully harsh book. And in fact, one of the lines I was going to even say, there is that that sort of devious part of power Mm -hmm. that is a little unsettling for the human being. Yes. And I I maintain that in our country, in our culture in particular, there's a lot of kind of negativity and guilt around the whole phenomena of power. Um, But I, I think that, and in other cultures, particularly places if you've ever lived in a country like Italy or France, they're much more up, uh, you know, uh, straightforward about the whole thing, and there isn't this guilt about it. But the thing is, everybody wants that feeling of control, uh, that you have some power over the people around you, in the sense that if you talk to them, that you can at least persuade them with your ideas, that you can get them to do what you want. Um, that you have just a feeling of control in your life and the sense that you can't control anything, that you have no influence over the people around you, you have no influence over your your wife, your kids, your boss, your colleagues, is so miserable that it will turn you into almost like a monster, basically. And that a person who is uh, um, happy with themselves and feeling comfortable with this knowledge that they want power is actually, in the long run, a better person to be around. Isn't that funny? Because misery and unhappiness is truly the root of all evil. You're very right. So Mm. when you feel a little bit more in control, you're empowered. You feel a little bit better about yourself and and therefore Mm. affect people around you in a more positive way. Well, there's the famous quote um, that power, uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely, that people quote a lot. But then um, uh, Malcolm X came out with with the quote that having no power corrupts even more absolutely. So the sense of feeling like you have no power, no control is actually more corrupting in, in the long run. Wow, Malcolm X actually brings some serious wisdom and context on this idea of power. And I think my, what I'm hearing Robert Greene talk about there is if I was to substitute the word power and say confidence or being in control of your life, That's what he's hoping to get at Mm. is to empower us, not just power, but empower. And what's interesting, the way, you know, we talk about 
you know, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely a very famous uh, notion. But Malcolm X says absolutely no power mm. is even worse. And what he's talking about is do we choose to be a victim of our circumstance or will we take full ownership and actually be self-directed and not be a victim but to make things happen for ourselves and for those around us. So, I mean, this is almost the opening argument that what we hope, Mark, that the the next five clips, hopefully we can explore this idea. But at first glance, to me, there's two things I want your thoughts on here. One, when as soon as you say power, that feels a bit unseemly and greedy. And, And Robert talked about that guilt associated with power. But then actually the turn that that Robert Greene is putting on this is that if you don't have any power, then that's actually a worse situation than having power and that we're getting down to some sort of animal spirits inside of all of us that, you know, power how we live. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I really, really agree with the idea that without power, it breeds insecurity, maybe unhappiness, perhaps even aggression. Because you feel as though you have no choices, you have no options available, no opportunities in front of you. Right. And when right. you don't have that power, you, um, I think, therefore, are more likely to treat your colleagues, your family, the relationships uh, quite negatively. So I really like this idea of whether you, you're in a, you're obviously we're not necessarily trying to take over countries, as Robert Greene says, power is not necessarily something we're going to use to invade anywhere. But instead, as we think about our careers and relationships and so on, without power, it does breed that that sort of insecurity, I find. And I think that's a really interesting power shift that Robert Greene does for us and, and how we do think about power. Because you're quite right. When I think about somebody in power, it is perhaps slightly negative. There's almost this mm. um, confrontational element that people kind of feel towards those in power, isn't it? This rebellious, uh, renegade, um, underdog story still feels very, very popular nowadays. And we almost are always rooting for the team who aren't necessarily the best, <laughs> you know, That's in a sports right. game. Uh, but That's it, so right. It's right. But it's, it, but it's kind of conversely true. If you rethink about what you expect to discuss or think about or uh, consider with power, like we are doing on today's show, and you start to put it into more of an ownership, more of an influence, maybe a confidence element, and you're empowering an individual to go out and actually just be the best version of themselves or, or even be happy, it does feel much more um, positive, I think, when I, when I think, about, uh, think about the concept of power. Well, let's see if the, if the following ideas from Robert Greene actually prove that out. Let's, let's really examine it together. But before we do, Mark, I mean, I tell you who's had the power of their fingertips on their keyboards, and that is our members. It is so great to see us continually growing our community and our members, and we are ever so grateful for their patronage because that helps us pay for transcriptions, for our web hosting, for our podcast hosting, all of this to share with all of you. So, Mark, without any further ado, let's do a roll call. Who are our members? Our key members of power today include Burge, Paul, Maria, Sid, Lisa, Daniela, Spaceman, Yasmin, Rodrigo, Connor, Marjan and Mark, 
Byron, Tom, Dietmar, Ken, Marjolin, Niall, Bridie, Terry, John, Nils, and Bob. Welcome our Patreon members, our individuals of power, each of whom are not only helping us keep the Moonshots spaceship careering through space, helping us learn from like-minded moonshotters out there, but also you're all receiving a good lunar-powered dose of karma, as well as mine, Mike's, and all of the Moonshots team's thanks. Exactly. So there you go. Thank you again to all our members. And if you want to be a member of Moonshots podcast, head over to moonshots.io, click on that big members button. It'll come up on the page. It's in the top nav. Give it a click. It's literally like for the price of a coffee every month, you get all of these shows, but you also get the Moonshots Master Series. And just recently we did an epic master series only for our members, 90-minute deep dive on entrepreneurship. And coming up, the next one, is going to be on finding your purpose. So if you're a bit of a Simon Sinek fan, you want to become a member before we release that one so you can have a listen to us going totally deep on finding your purpose and being the very best version of yourself. But Matt, Robert Green's got a lot of ideas on how we can become the best version of ourselves. Where do we start when we break down the laws? In fact, the 48 laws, we'll do five for this show. But where do you want to start? Well, I think it's uh, much like if we were to pick up the book and read it with our listeners, we'd obviously mm. start presumably with law number one. So I think that's a great place to start. And it gives Robert Greene an opportunity to really kick off his 48 laws correctly. So first of all, let's hear from Robert Greene, discuss the first law that he has, which is titled, Never Outshine the Master. Never outshine the master. And what made this an interesting law for me is when you think of power, Mm -hmm. you almost think that the person is the master who has the power. Right. Okay? So when you read this, though, what I, and in fact, I had this discussion with my wife yesterday when I was trying to come to terms with that concept. Mm -hmm. The first thing that popped in my mind was the Bob Dylan song, Everybody's Gotta Serve Somebody. And that's the essence I got out of this on the way to power. And by the way, it really could even be the transcendental power even that you are serving. It really means... Most definitely. Am I right? It really means do not outshine the master, whoever it might be. Everyone has a master. I mean, even uh, George W. Bush, the president of the most powerful country in the world, he serves the American public. And if he doesn't do the right things, he's going to be voted out of office. Everybody has a master. So... um, and the thing is, is that the essence of that law is, and the reason I started it off that way, is it's the most common mistake that people make in the world. It's the most common power mistake. I have made this mistake actually on, on several occasions, and everybody I talk to has made the mistake. And what it basically boils down to is the following. You're in, let's say, a work situation, and you want to please your boss, your master, whomever that is. Um, and you work really hard and you show him or her that you're capable of all of these great things. Um, you, you write an extra special report, blah, blah, blah. And then in the end, you find out that your, your boss or whomever is actually a little bit cold to you, doesn't, isn't actually impressed. And what has happened is you've gone too far. You've made the boss feel insecure, made them feel like you're better than him or her, that actually... Um, People like you more than they like the master. And so you have to be very careful 
that the, the first things you should do in such a situation is actually to make your, your boss, your master, whomever, feel comfortable that you're not after their position, that you recognize that they are above you. A, a lot of these things we're talking about in here seem like, well, you're, you're discussing something in the 17th century. This is, we're in a democratic world. We don't have masters and such and such. And that's, I think, the, the problem a lot of people have is we may look so modern in 21st century, but certain basic things haven't changed. And the person that you are working for is just like a Cesare Borgia, is just like Louis XIV. They have the same insecurities that have existed for hundreds of years. And you have to not make them feel insecure, but make them feel good about themselves. In fact, you say that that's, this is the one law that a lot of people have a big problem with yes. because inadvertently, as you said, by trying to do the best you can yes. for the person you're serving, you make them feel uncomfortable. That's a yes. very unique twist in, in, in this particular law. Yes. Well, never outshining the master. I can really relate. I actually had one time in my career uh, where we were doing so well, uh, my team, I thought, wow, isn't this amazing how well we are doing? And I soon realized that my boss at the time did not really share the same enthusiasm because, well, I really relate to, to this clip because, you know, I actually had this time mark in my life where in my career, I was running a team, a really large team within a bigger group of companies. And I really thought that our success was a shining example of the future and it would be really great. But my boss was scared to death <laughs> of what we were doing. And he made it very clear to me that this wasn't going to work out despite this amazing success. And I remember the surreal experience. I literally had exactly what Robert Greene talked about. I didn't want this guy's job, but our success was so apparent that he would rather not have that success and feel safe, even though there was no threat whatsoever. I mean, on, on the surface level, this is what, uh, you know, Robert Greene is talking about, these sort of animal spirits that guide us in the reality of how business truly is. I mean, it would be great if things weren't like that, but it's really how it is. But I think there's also some more in this idea, don't you, Mark? Yeah, I, I think your story alone is a great illustration of what Robert Greene's really saying. You've, you had your individual, your boss, who was feeling perhaps insecure. And at the same time, that's therefore revealing that he, in fact, has a master as well. So it yeah. reminds us all that there's going to be somebody on the end of a phone or a Zoom call or at the end of um, a text message or email where they also have a, a maybe a job to do or responsibilities or a direct report. And I think for me, certainly there's been plenty of times in my career where I'll assume that the person that I'm working with perhaps can make the big decision. They can approve maybe the big budget. Uh, and at the same time, it then reveals or reminds me that, you know, everybody has a master. Everybody has somebody or something that they're reporting to. And therefore, they are probably still feeling, uh, to a certain extent, insecure about something else. And I, I like this idea that Robert Greene's illustrating to us, 
which, you know, he's obviously directly saying, don't make your boss look bad. For me, it's reminding me that there's many, many other people around me that have their own things going on, their own uh, Correct. ROIs or KPIs, their, their, their own responsibilities, right? And whether that's my colleagues or my boss or a client or a partner or a relationship that's outside of work, everybody has these different elements that are kind of coming into them at the same time. And I think this law reminds me that I can only control the areas and the power that are directly around me. Yeah. And, you know, he said something very important. He said, you want to make people feel good about themselves. And, uh, you know, talking about this in, in the context of not outshining the master, I would go even further, Mark, and say what he's really talking about is just a different take on almost humble or servant leadership where you make those around you feel empowered, feel good, feel safe, build the trust. This is Patrick Lencioni. Exactly. Like building the trust around and, and putting others before yourself. Now, whilst he, he does pose it in this never outshine the master, you could always uh, sit back and say, well, always celebrate the good things that your teammates do. Well, that's exactly the same idea. And so I think what we can see in this is that what Robert Green really does is he is uh, addressing, frankly observing these very human animal survival instincts that dictate, that play out in the workplace. And he calls them out. And I think it's so true. I've had this situation. I didn't want my boss's job. I couldn't believe. It was so hard for me to understand the perceived threat he saw in our success. It it was just gobsmacking and, and went on to cause quite some damage to the business but nevertheless, it is a reality of life and that we shouldn't ignore it. And we can see it through this lens of which, in this case, it is humble or servant mm-hmm. leadership. So I, I, I really think that this is the, the fascinating nature of Robert Greene's work. It's always straddling these two sides, isn't it? Yeah, I, I totally agree. It also reminds me of Simon Sinek, Leaders Eat Last. Um, Correct. Yes. As well. Uh, obviously you've mentioned Patrick Lencioni, the ideal team player. I think that's, that's a very, very good one, but also even Abby Wombach. Do you remember the work that she was uh, uh, saying to us about leading mm. from the bench? I, I think this is mm-hmm. a, another great demonstration of leadership in general, whether they are your master or again, your colleagues by treating each other fairly, by having the respect from one another, you're going to be a better team because of it. And when you've got an individual like your your previous boss making you feel a bit confused, maybe a bit insecure, oh. it obviously bre- it then led to um, the dissolution, uh, dissolvement or, or negative impact. And, and it obviously didn't go quite so well by the sounds of it. And I think that's another great demonstration that if you can make your team feel good about themselves, remove insecurity, you're then going to have a better result in the end. Totally. Hey, Mark, and you know what else makes you feel really good? Um, Check this out. Going into Spotify or Apple Podcasts app, just like literally right now as you're listening, and give us a rating or even a a review if you're in Apple Podcasts app. I mean, how good does that make you feel, Mark? It's amazing how much our listeners have have really adopted this, Mike. I'm certainly starting to see uh, the ratings and the numbers start to go up in, in Spotify and Apple. So I really appreciate for those listeners who have already started to 
uh, listen to us, uh, take part actively, leave us a rating or review because it really, really does help us uh, start to appear more in the popular business podcast, different genres, Mike. And I think it's fair to say that the growth uh, for the last couple of months is really down to you, our listeners, who are actively sharing the podcast. They're actively signing up as well as leaving ratings and reviews. So listeners, every little bit counts. Every uh, penny adds up to a pound. Every cent adds up to the dollar. And your rating really, really does make a big difference. So please pop along to your podcast app of choice, leave us a rating or a review in Apple Podcasts because it's just helping us spread the word to many, many other people around the world. Indeed. And and a big thanks to all our listeners. We hit a huge uh, milestone uh, last month in January. We had 53,000 listeners. So we want to say a big thank you. And the way you can spread the word is go into your podcast app while you're listening right now and just hit the star button, hit the thumbs up button, leave us a review. That's how more people can discover us. And while they're discovering us, we're discovering what Robert Greene has to say. In fact, we're discovering what his advice is on actually when to say less. Always say less than Uh, necessary. And I know that that was something that I had to take control of because I know I even joke with my own bosses here, the joke was always, not only do I gild the lily, I'll gild the gilded lily. (laughs) And you have to be very cautious of that. Well, as an interviewer, though, you have to be able to talk a little bit. Maybe that's where the reversal on this one will come in, of course. But But still, it's not saying more than you have to say to get to where you need to go. I could have almost started the book with that law because it's also that's the second biggest mistake that people make. <laughs> See, I'm going in order here from my own mistakes. <laughs> I mean, and we've all had a feeling. You, you go on a job interview and you're nervous and you just talk and talk and talk. And in the process of talking, you say something that's probably stupid. You probably say something that's going to offend the person. You don't really know. But you just have this feeling, I talk too much. And so what you have to do is you have to get control of your tongue and you have to learn That in any situation, of course, when you're in the house, you can relax a little bit. But in any kind of situation uh, in the the world, you you have to uh, basically be aware of yourself. Be aware how other people are perceiving you. And the person who, let's say in a meeting, in, in in a work situation, the person who talks too much seems weak. Seems like they have no control over themselves. Um... And the person who talks less has a more kind of powerful appearance, more uh, powerful persona. So we said earlier you have to control your emotions. Well, if you can't control your tongue and your propensity to always talk, you're, you're just as hopeless as if you can't control your emotions. I, I think that's a really big takeaway right at the end of that clip, Mark. Ooh, right? Ooh, he snuck it in, didn't it's he? It's really, and I think that's that's the real crux actually of this law. If you can't control your emotions, you can't control your tongue. It means that your um, perception in front of others, it's going to be weaker. And obviously Robert Greene's coming at this with a lens of being powerful, being maybe even domineering in a, in a situation by being quiet. I actually think what's really interesting when I think about how um, you and I even operate on, on the Moonshot show, we obviously talk, we, we, we discuss things out loud, but the real power comes in actually being able to be quiet, listen to the clips, 
listen to these individuals talk about right. their work and then reflect on it and discuss it afterwards. That for me feels like the, um, how you and I interpret this law. How did you find mm. Robert Greene's law um, in, in that clip? Well, it takes me back to other themes that we've learned in the show, which is be the last to speak. You know, that has been a huge um, lesson in leadership that's coming back, uh, active listening. Mm. Um, you mentioned Simon Sinek, uh, you know, eating last, speaking last, uh, humble acts that empower others. But what what he's also saying here is listen, mm. understand what the person's saying. Don't speak to convince someone otherwise. Pause, wait, listen, digest, process, clarify, qualify what they're saying before offering your opinion. I, I think this is really powerful. And, you know, some might take this as like, you know, don't say very much and be mysterious and intimidating. Well, maybe that is a byproduct in some cases, but there's nothing um, better than when you're speaking with someone and you're knowing they're quiet and they're fully captivated in what you're saying it feels good when someone's really paying attention, right? Yeah, it, it does. And again, uh, like you just touched upon, it's a good demonstration of Robert Greene's work here. He might be saying it from a, you stay quiet, you look intimidating and, and, and maybe cool. But I think you're right. What the, the truth and the power of this law and where I think it's a real moonshot way of thinking is the active listening piece. If you're quiet, you're oh, not yeah. confusing totally. others by talking too much. You're not even, you're not confusing yourself by convincing, when you say something out loud, you're convincing yourself that it's correct. And I think this <laughs> idea, right, instead of being able to respond to the person through active listening and asking why, you are providing a solution too quickly. You don't know the problem solution, whether it's in business or at home. By giving yourself a moment to pause, to ask why, and there's lots and lots of mental frameworks that you and I, that we've broken down on the Moonshot Show, as well as the Master Series around how to ask good questions and solve problems and make good decisions. But I think where Robert Greene's really coming from here is just taking a moment, being quiet, reflecting on what the other person's saying, and maybe asking why you are going to become more powerful because you're going to be better informed. Mm. It is so true. And I think. Um, in this day and age, I think, you know, there's not a lot of listening actually happening, you know. feels like the world's a little bit polarised, feels like everyone's shouting their points across and there's no real common ground. I think, you know, listen, just start with listening. What a great, great theme. But, Mark, we are not done with Robert Greene. There's still a ton more. What's next on this journey into the 48 laws of power? Well, we're now going to skip a few laws. Like I said at the beginning of the show, we're not going to have time to go into absolutely every single one of Robert Greene's 48 <laughs> laws. So listeners, please go out and, and, and check it out online and we can have a link in the show notes to, to all 48. But the next one that we're going to dig into, Mike, which I think is a real moonshots classic and a real good consistent thought, is the idea of being your own master, the master of your own image. So let's hear from from Robert Greene, again, discussing one of his laws from the 48 Laws of Power, this time about how you can recreate yourself. Recreate yourself. Right. There is, again, no reversal. Do not accept the roles that society foists upon you. You have the ability to be the master of 
your own image. One of the most empowering mm-hmm. laws in the book. Right. It should be. Um, basically, we talked about that feeling of having no control and how miserable it is. Rela- related to that is the feeling that I'm trapped in this role in life um, that is not of my own choosing. That people see me as a writer or a secretary or whatever, and it's not what I want to be. And that's how everybody judges me. And you feel trapped and you have no power or control. The opposite of that is this feeling that you can be whatever you want. You can recreate yourself. You can suddenly uh, have a different persona. You can change your personality. By the way, one of the actual other laws is you can act like the king already. So in a sense, I I found those two working together. You can recreate yourself. And the other law was be royal already. So maybe that's what you need to recreate yourself into. Completely. Um, You know, the power game is is all about psychology. It's not about money. It's not about who you can push around. It's all about psychology. And it begins in, in how you think of yourself. How you think of yourself. This is the great uh, empowering message that we have seen time and time again. Napoleon Hell, he says, think and grow rich. Stephen Covey, his body of work. In fact, what we see is so moonshots here is that you do not have to be trapped in a position, in a role in life. You can be your own master and the thing that determines if you will succeed at that is how you think about yourself and that you have what I think is really important is that you have an invitation to recreate yourself in the image that you want to be. So dream big and then live the life of that dream. Don't just harbor this dream of I'd really like to be someone like this and see it only as a dream or a thought that you entertain in those quiet moments, you can shift by not only dreaming that, but then launch yourself into action to be that, to think it, to feel it every single day. I think this is very much, this is the least evil of all of the 48 (laughs) laws, Mark. Well, and it does feel, as you've already touched upon, some of the authors and the moonshots as we've covered, very, very consistent with this idea of being the best version of yourself, having the choice, the, the moment of ownership and the empowerment to go out and make that change is only something that we can really do for ourselves. I'm also reminded of Adam Grant, the Think Again book that we've covered, mm. and even the series on habits, Mike. I think this law, Recreate Yourself, can be applied to anybody who wants to get into a more efficient or better um, habit, use of time, their energy, whether it's about thinking or even physical behavior. It does feel to mm. me as a real reminder that each, every single one of us, each of us can actually go out, wake up, make an active change in how we maybe use our phones, our digital devices, how we keep journals, whatever it might be. We can all make that proactive choice to go out and and be the best version of ourselves today because who else is going to do it for us? That's true. So, so you talked about some of the habits that, that help you recreate yourself, but Let's let's go even earlier in the process for a second. And Robert Greene mentioned, you know, you don't have to be trapped. But I think we come across situations where we ourselves feel trapped or where we see family and friends are sort of trapped in a way of thinking, in a way of being. Mm. Why do you think that happens? Why do you think people get 
trapped in a certain way of living, maybe a certain type of job that is not really their true desire. It's not what what they want to be. It's not who they want to be, but people get trapped. Why do we get trapped? Well, I think it's a, for, for me at least, when I think about um, anybody I've known who feels like they're sort of in a situation that they don't really love, but they're putting up with it. I think people are afraid of changing the status quo because they right. haven't taken the time to really think about what it is that they want to do or who they want to be. So sometimes I think a moment of inactivity comes from not having the direction figured out. So without mm. knowing what it is that you want to go and do uh, or how you want to feel or how you want to behave, uh, essentially, Simon Sinek, without having a reason why, it's hard to then choose how and what you want to go and do. I see. So you're, you're, if I understand, you're just saying, look, in the end, people will endure living a life that's not their true life, right? Living uh, and working or being in a situation that's not what they really choose for, but they almost accept a bad situation. They live with a bad situation because of the perceived risk of change. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and a, a, uh, unwillingness to spend the time to right. maybe turn that uh, uh, microphone around or the magnifying glass and start looking at themselves maybe. You know, I, th- I think mm. a lot of people are paralyzed by the idea of not upsetting the apple cart and thinking, you know, I'm, I'm okay as I am. But actually the truth is we can all grow. And you and I yeah. and our listeners, we're all growing week by week, show by show, by digging into these these different moonshotters and entrepreneurs and individuals. And I think for, for a lot of us, it takes a little bit of time until we're willing to accept that, yeah, we can grow and, and change. Fascinating stuff. So let's, let's just kind of recap a little bit on what we've learned so far from Robert Greene, author of The 48 Laws of Power. Well, first of all, Mike, we've heard about not outshining the master, about the most common power mistake that Robert Greene believes that exists. We don't necessarily need, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to make others feel insecure. We then heard about taking control of our listening. We can talk, but also we can learn by asking questions and actively listening. Don't be perhaps the loudest person. Mm. And just then we mm. heard about this idea of empowerment, ownership, choice by not being trapped in your own situation. This psychology of power, as Robert Greene discussed. We do have one more law, Mike, that I really want us to dig into, which I think is a a slightly brand new area for us in the Moonshot Show. Yeah, I kind of, well, I like where we've got to first. I just want to reiterate, you know, you've touched upon the journey so far, confidence in ourselves, control of our circumstance, being humble, listening, always recreating yourself, living the life that you dream. But we've got a really new idea here. And, you know, what Robert Greene does is he reframes success in a way that we've not heard before on the show. So let's get into it. This is Robert Greene and Barry Kibrick talking about success. Do not go past the mark you aimed for Mm -hmm. because 
in that victory mm -hmm. is when you can start to gain problems that you no. weren't expecting. You know, I did a lot of research for this book, and uh, the theme would repeat itself over and over and over and over again throughout history of the ruler, the country, the empire that became drunk on its own success and didn't know when to stop. It's almost inhuman to know when to stop. And the thing is, is that the theme I'm talking about is that sometimes success is the worst thing that can happen to you. Because you, you, you don't, um, you suddenly lose a sense of, of what it is that actually happened that led to your success. Sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's something that you did, but you're not really aware of what you did. And you only think of your success and you get drunk on it and you go and you keep doing more and more and more and, and you, it ends up in a disaster. And so there's an expression that the Japanese have it, but it's in all cultures. The moment you have success or victory, that's the time to step back, calm down, reassess where you are, and in fact consolidate and not go ahead because you're, you're headed towards a disaster otherwise. Yeah, I, I really like this one, Mike. This, this idea of... Uh, stopping when you when you've had enough or you've reached your goal in mind, because if you go that much further, you're you're essentially feeling too um, confident. I guess is the right word, isn't it? Drunk yeah. and success. And you can imagine Ryan Holiday, the author of Ego is the Enemy, just being in violent agreement here. Don't you think? Oh, I, t I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, but what's really um, Interesting as I as I think about this law and what it means to me. Sure, there's been many times I'm sure within my career where we've perhaps pushed too far and we've tried to surf the wave. Maybe maybe as it gets too close to the land, or maybe with Icarus, you know, flying towards the sun um, mm -hmm, too mm -hmm. much. There's all, obviously all these great classic fairy tales and so on. Um, what I really really like. And that stands out to me, though, as Robert Greene's breaking down this law. It's the idea of not uh, having enough time to reflect on how you got to that moment of success. And there you go. Because you're going, you're continually moving forward. And without a moment, as we've heard from uh, Matthew McConaughey and his book, Green Lights, where he'd- Exactly where I was going. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yes. Right. It, it's a great moment of reflection. And without being able to reflect on where you've gone, you, you haven't really enjoyed the journey or learned any lessons. And I think that's a real moment of, that's a missed opportunity for those who continue far down the line without pausing for breath and, and reflecting backwards. I totally agree. And I like this, this kind of challenge that when you're full of ego and hubris at your own success, he's saying that is exactly the moment that you achieve and that you feel like patting yourself on the back and saying, geez, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, gosh, I did a good job here. Yeah. You stop. And that should be a signal for a reset. And, and, and there's, there's times, Mike, for you and I, um, where we've, we've reached the end of a project and we do, we, we actively take a moment to sit back and uh, do it almost like a retrospective. And we yeah. think about, okay, well, what really went well? What didn't work so well? What are we going to go and do next? And it's such a valuable business tool and, and way of reflecting on processes, strategy, and so on, mm -hmm. uh, that I think it's for those who, who don't do it, it does feel like a, a huge missed signpost because how else are you going to learn? 
That's exactly right. And uh, what I would uh, what I would say is that um, Matthew McConaughey made this really good point. He talked about the fact that you know you should go back and reflect on your journal, not just write it in the moment, but go back to it and reflect on it, so you can understand. When things are good, you should be journaling mm. because then you can deconstruct, well, what am I doing when things are going well? Oh, my gosh, here's an interesting thing. I've generally slept better at night mm. and I tend to have a better week. Oh, that's really interesting. Look at my journal. I talk about that. Fascinating. Oh, whenever I talk about working with this one person, I don't seem to be very happy. Mm. Oh, my gosh. So, again, the power of reflection. And when we are successful, using that as a moment to reflect because we often, as Matthew McConaughey said, we often journal when we're in it, when we've got a big problem, right? When stuff isn't going well and you know what is hitting the fan, that's when we tend to journal. What we're seeing here is that Robert Greene is also of the same mind. When you achieve success, that's the perfect moment to pause. Don't just charge on like you're Superman pause, reflect. And what I like here, my own special build here is always to try and find, well, what did we do or what did I do in order to achieve this outcome? Can I look at a habit or an approach or a certain tactic that I was using that seemed to contribute here? And how might I embody that on a daily basis so that I'm just, you know, building up the the compound interest and getting better every single day? What do you think, Mark? I, I, I like that. That's a great build. You're right. If you can identify whether it's a small thing, such as I sent meeting notes or, or I gave somebody a pat on the back, um, all the way through to having maybe a, a, a huge pivotal role in, in a project or a bit of work, I think you're totally right. If you can identify through reflection what it is that you think made a really, really good impression and, and positively impacted the work that you and your colleagues did, you can then reiterate it grow on it, repeat it. I think that's a really smart way of, of uh, putting into action exactly what Robert Greene's really talking about there. And I like this, mm. this build from, uh, from you about Matthew McConaughey and reflecting on journals. And I think it's really, really true. Without looking back at the journals, you won't necessarily know what you've, uh, where your headspace was, because you always, uh, well, sorry, uh, you, I always feel as though my, uh, the situation's always better than, than I think uh, in the future. So if I'm looking back at a particular project, I'll be maybe reflecting with rose tinted spectacles, as they say. <laughs> so how else? And, and I'll think, oh, I did great job then because the project was so successful without having an accurate um, history book, i.e. maybe a journal. That's right. Uh, I won't That's be right. able to accurately reflect back so well. So it feels to me like a perfect tool that then puts you into the position that Robert Greene is really discussing with do not past the, the mark you're aiming for, because otherwise, where else do you know when to stop? Mm, that's so true. That's so true. So if, you, if you're enjoying this, you should definitely head over to the Matthew McConaughey uh, episode. So just head to moonshots.io and uh, dig into the world of Matthew McConaughey and green lights. It was uh, really big on this idea of reflection. But we ain't quite done yet, are we, Mark? I think we can sneak out one last Robert Green clip before we ask the question, good or evil, 
But Mark, why don't you set up this last clip for us? That's right. Well, as, as we heard from Robert Greene at the beginning, he, he introduced to us this idea of what power really means to, to him and why we should re-evaluate what power means to us. So let's hear from Robert Greene following the laws that we were able to dig into today and how we should all be able to consider, to take time, take ownership, to examine ourselves day to day. Uh, the notion that you uh, that permeates my books is that you are responsible for the things that happen in your life. You're the agent of what is good and what is bad. And when something bad happens to you, your natural tendency will be to look out in the world and blame this person, blame your mother, your father, your wife, your boss. But in fact, there's always a kernel of yourself that is to blame for what happened. And so the process that's involved in this that I talk about in the book is you look at yourself and you examine how perhaps something you did, something you said, something in your planning was wrong. And that that was what caused this problem. And that should be a liberating thing because what that means is you have power. You're not dependent on, on mommy or daddy or boss or whomever to, to please you, to make you, to bring you what you want. You are the one responsible for it. So when you're looking at yourself and, and analyzing yourself, it's not with this heaviness of, oh my gosh, I'm just such an awful person and I hate myself. It's with a lightness. It's like, I can change this. I can go at this. I won't make the same mistake before. I will look at my past and reassess it and see that I did this thing at this one critical crossroad in life. I made this mistake. I will not make it again. And I think that should not be a, a heaviness. It's a kind of a light feeling. Not heavy, but actually a light feeling. And geez, I mean, you hear him speak there, Mark, and who would have known that uh, this is the same guy who wrote the book that some people said this will turn you uh, into a lone, uh, broke, uh, a loser, that it's, you know, it's evil. Uh, be scared, stay away from people, personalities described in this book, 48 Laws of Deceit, someone else writes on Amazon. Isn't it fascinating that we just listened to the author talking about the book that people were referring to as evil? It is so fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, it was referred to as the psychopath's Bible. Uh, <laughs> 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 I read somewhere. But for me, Mike, uh, and I think we'll, we'll make the case in a minute, for me, just hearing Robert Greene in that, that final clip there, reminding us that we do have the power to look at ourselves, to reflect on ourselves, much like we were talking about just prior to the last, last clip there, thinking about journaling and how we reflect on the actions that we do, as well as think about our impact in certain projects or, or bits of work. It should be an opportunity for us to revel in the reflection and almost look forward to it and think, hey, what did I do well? What did I, uh, what could I improve on? It's kind of fun when you give yourself that almost like a little project and reflect on it. And it feels, yeah, a mission, exactly. And when I hear Robert Greene doing it, it makes total sense. It makes real active sense to me. Well, it certainly does if you take one of the earlier clips where he said you, you, you have the invitation to recreate yourself. Mm. So it doesn't matter if you stuffed up something. Uh, you can always look at that as a point of learning and a turning point 
where you can go, right, okay, well, at that critical juncture, I didn't make the right decision. Let's unpack it. Let's learn it. And let's make sure that I don't do it again. And wow, I just got better. And this was something that Zaha Hadid, uh, uh, she just was the embodiment of this. Every mistake, every challenge was just making her stronger. And that is a moonshot way of thinking. That is the moonshot mindset, I would argue, that you examine yourself, you recreate yourself continuously. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you say, Mark? I totally agree. Carol Dweck with the growth uh, mindset. Um, Oh, yeah, great reference. Yeah, totally. You know, this this idea of continually revisiting the things that uh, maybe trip us up. Uh, we had Angela Duckworth with grit as well, uh, mm. slightly more resilience focused, but she was still very orientated around looking back at how you react to things in order to learn. Well, you improve. talk about, you talk about Angela Duckworth. She basically found it wasn't the smartest or the most talented people that succeeded. It was those that were in this continuous examination, resilience, just took challenges, made them stronger, took mistakes, made them into learnings. She said that was the the most powerful predetermining factor of success was doing exactly what Robert Green is just talking about here. And so for those listeners who, who are wondering, what, what's Robert Green talking about in all of these? Feel free to revisit any number of our previous shows because I think, Mike, I'm starting to see a lot of science as well as history within Robert Greene's laws that really help point us in the direction of continuous improvement, learning um, from our mistakes, this idea of resilience, but also how to become slightly better and, and more honest in what you do. Well, Mark, we've entered into the world of the 48 uh, laws of power. We, we've been able to, to see the fine line that he dances in this, really looking at those animal spirits that determine the reality of how life really is um, and the world of imperfection and the world of people being, you know, really around us, uh, really driven by perhaps more selfish motives. And he's given us a path for confidence and empowerment. How do you kind of process this? I know, I mean, there's certainly some crazy laws in the book that we didn't get into. Like, uh, what's this one? Pose as a friend, work as a spy, crush your enemy totally. But in what we've studied today, I guess the first question is, is there some good at least in this book, The 48 Laws of Power? I, I I personally believe that there is. I think that there's a if you if you step back from the forty eight laws of power and really uh, consider what Robert Greene's trying to communicate in let's let's be honest some pretty direct perhaps derisive laws that are, including the couple that you just read out he's trying to spark a debate as well as an awakening he's trying to say to us hey you are in control. You have the opportunity to be powerful in your life. If you want to, um, you don't need to follow all 48 laws. You know, you don't have to be uh, somebody who follows them directly. Exactly. If you are inspired, like I have been, from Robert Greene's um, laws, we've obviously only covered uh, four today, but I'm accurately um, inspired by them. I'm starting to see connections with some of the other 
Moonshot is some of the other lessons that we've learned on the show, uh, particularly with Recreate Yourself, as well as be inspired in brand new ways. For example, do not pass the mark you're aiming for in victory, learn when to stop. What a great reiteration of some of the behaviors that maybe we do with work, but we don't necessarily uh, actively take a moment to pause and reflect on. I personally think that uh, this has provided a good case for Robert Greene's The 48 Laws of Power to be within the Moonshots library. How did it it feel to you going through it all today and and pre the show? Oh, listen, I definitely had a little bit of a discomfort with this notion of power. Is it a bit Machiavellian? I certainly think that you can pick your favourite laws and find a whole lot of goodness in them, um, Mark. And uh, I just want to say thank you to you for helping us uh, navigate this. I I certainly got a lot out of it. And thank you to you, our listeners. Let us know, what do you think? Which of the laws work for you? Join the conversation at uh, moonshots.io or if you're a member, just jump into the members area and post all your thoughts, comments, and we can discuss it more. But there you have it, everyone. That is show 168, The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. And we started this with really the notion of confidence and control, that everyone wants to be empowered. And you should never outshine the master, which is just another way of saying, be humble, be a servant to others, and always say less than necessary. Yes, we've always known that it's good to listen first. And then Robert Greene really brought it home with an empowering message that you can always recreate yourself. You're never out of the game. And when you are at the top of your game, don't let your ego get in control. That's a great moment to pause and reflect. And if you continue to reflect, and if you continue to examine yourself, these are laws and the messages of author Robert Greene. You truly can be the best version of yourself, which is exactly what we're doing here at the Moonshots podcast. All right, everybody, that's it for the show. That's a wrap.